And when it looks like nothing is working, the Lord put a word in my heart to let all of us know that everything is working. Hallelujah. I said, when it looked like nothing is working, that is when the Lord would want me to bring a word of encouragement to somebody today that everything is working. And so, in addition to all that we have learned so far in our year of glorious emergence, as we prepare ourselves to emerge out of whatever barrier, out of whatever limitation, whatever roadblock, as we come forth and show forth the glory of God, God wants me to show you a message that will help us on the way to glorious emergence. Hallelujah. I didn't have the caption initially, but yesterday night, it dropped in my spirit. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Can you tell yourself, I will encourage myself in the Lord. Oh, yes. And I'll pick my scripture from 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'll read the first six verses. The theme was picked from the King James Version, but let me read the New King James Version and you will even appreciate why the New King James. First Samuel chapter 30 from verse 1 through 6. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burnt with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Can you imagine that kind of experience? Weeping until there is no more power to weep. That was a distressing situation. It was quite a distress. Verse 5 says, And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the, the, the Jezreelites, Jezreelites, okay, Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Canaan. Camelite, rather, had been taken captive. So not only the women, their sons, their daughters, but even David. Look at verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. Do you know why? Because David had emerged as a champion after he conquered Goliath. And eventually had emerged as a great leader. And then many people had assembled around him. It was out of this same dis 
distressed individuals out of this same uh, you know he called them forth they just followed him out of these same people became the great army that David had but at this juncture there was a certain mistrust because it's like why did we follow this man we thought he was a champion we have followed him thus far and see what has happened they have taken away our wives our sons and our daughters even his own wife at least they should have also wives actually <laughs> two wives so they should have also empathized with David but look at what happened in verse 6 now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him what do you do when the people who look up to you now turn that come on we can't trust you again we're going to stone you and in those days if they are stoning you they don't stone you to wound you they stone you till you die so it's like if our wives are gone if our children are gone everything has been burnt we don't see any way forward so let's stone this man and David was distressed the Bible says he was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and his daughters look at the last line the last line says but David this is where the story changed but David strengthened that's the new King James the King James says encouraged himself in the Lord his God and I like the word strengthened in the new King James for a reason because then it buttresses how we're going to do that because that's what the Lord is telling you and me at this hour that encourage yourself in the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you say to yourself once again, I will encourage myself in the Lord. And I'm glad that we are in the Lord. If you are not in the Lord, it's a different ball game altogether. I am glad that David knew God as the Lord his shepherd. That is why in Psalm 23 he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He shall never lack any good thing. David knew this God so much that even in his youthful days, remember when he confronted Goliath and Saul, the king at the time, was trying to discourage him because Saul told him that, see, you are just a youth Goliath has been fighting from his youth and he's a champion. So you are not able to go against him. David remembered how the same Lord had delivered him from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. And then he used that as a testimony. He used his testimony rather as a weapon that the same God who delivered me would deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. So he had a certain experience with God and that is one major thing I would want us to take note as we go into today's message. That if you don't take cognizance of your, if you are not taking record of your experiences with God, chances are that if you get to a state like David, in this case, you can be so distressed that instead of you bringing hope, you will be weeping with the people. Because everybody wept until they had no more power to weep. I am trying to imagine that kind of picture. Please, have you done that before? You weep until there is no more power to weep. In other words, everything was gone. Every hope was gone. Every encouragement was gone. 
But when the people thought of stoning David, because see, you have brought us this far. We followed you. We thought that there was something good in this whole journey for us. But see what has happened. Everything is bent as if there was no enough. They have taken our wives, our sons, and our daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. There's a man in the New Testament who also did the same. Okay? And we can pick his message and then use that message to find out how David did it under the old covenant because my assignment this morning is to not just tell you, encourage yourself in the Lord. I always believe that it's not enough to tell people what they must do, but you must teach them how they should do it. Hallelujah. So we're going to learn how to encourage ourselves. And here I'm not talking about somebody coming to encourage you, although it is very good and very important because the Bible says, as we see the day approaching, we should exalt one another and so much the more. But there comes a time when nobody may come around. There comes a time where everybody seems to be absorbed in themselves, in him or herself, so that they don't even know that you are going through a certain situation that needs an encouragement. What do you do in such circumstances? You strengthen yourself in the Lord. You encourage yourself in the Lord. And in fact, last week, I think it was the Friday, when I was teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 14, during the dumb broadcast, the Lord brought a certain revelation and understanding that the real essence of church, why we go to church, is not primarily to receive. It's okay to come to church to receive, but when we grow and we mature, we must come to that place of understanding where we realize that church is about me going to be a blessing. Until we get that, we have not understood church yet. And I pray, not only IPR ministries, but the entire body of Christ will come to that place. That is where you will discover that if you have sent yourself from church, you are robbing a people of what God can use you to do in the lives of others. Are you there? Church is not primarily, so you don't say, okay, today I don't feel like going to church. Why? Because, oh, I don't need what they are going to do. No, it's about me going there to be a blessing. And time will not permit me to go into that. Maybe we can form a whole message out of that First uh, Corinthians 14. But I can re make reference also to, to the Friday dumb broadcast. I taught extensively on it. It's also on Telegram. You can go back to it. So, we are talking about encouraging ourselves in the Lord when you do not find anybody to encourage you. And David did that. I said a man in the New Testament also did that. And that is Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 4. The background of the book to the church of Philippi, Philippians, the background is that the man was in prison. I hope you know that. Apostle Paul was in prison. He was actually held in chains, in prison. In the king, he was actually in the king's uh, prison. The prison that, you know, like in the days of Joseph, Pharaoh also had a prison where he kept his prisoners. This was the king's prison. And I can imagine the king's prison. It could be a hot place. It could be a hopeless place. It's like a dungeon. You are kept in there in chains. And he wrote this letter from prison. 
whilst his hands were in chains. And in chapter 4, verse 4, he told them a very wonderful instruction. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, the New King James says, Rejoice. And the King James says, Again, I say, Rejoice. Why rejoice? I'm going to show you, people of God, how we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord, how we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. It's important you know this. As we journey on, the enemy would seek to make the dream of glorious emergence a nine-day wonder. Is that okay? The enemy, do you think he will be happy to see you experience all that God has said he would do in the year 2021? No. So you will make things difficult and tough for God's people, but there is hope. There is a way out. And there is always a way out. Why did Apostle Paul make reference to rejoicing in the Lord always and again I say rejoice because that is the way to strengthen ourselves in the Lord that is a way to encourage oneself in the Lord the question is why rejoice the preface re are ye amongst many meanings means back to someone say back to in other words get back to joy why? Because there is joy in the heart of everyone who is born again. And joy is not dependent on your external circumstance. Joy has nothing to do with happiness. Happiness is when you have everything moving on for you. Happiness is external. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is dependent on what is happening around you. But joy is in it. Joy is a part of the recreated born-again spirit. The fruit of the spirit. And I've said, I've said this over and over that in that context, in Galatians 5, it was not a reference to the Holy Spirit, although they spelt it capital S. If you put it in context, he was comparing the fruits that are born out of the flesh as against the fruit that is born of the spirit. So the fruit of the recreated spirit is love, joy, peace, on and on and on. So there's joy there. Some say, I got joy on the inside. Can you say that again? I got joy on the inside. It's there. So when Apostle Paul said rejoice, it means get back to joy. When everything seems hopeless, when everything seems like this one is not working, when everything seems like, ah, I've lost this, wife's gone, children gone, sons gone, everything gone. David had a key. David was an Old Testament saint, but he lived like a New Testament believer. No wonder he was a type of the Christ to come. Christ the King. So in the genealogy in Matthew, you discover that when they were mentioning kings, when they got to David, they said, David the King. That was what God had in mind. The only king God had in mind was David to be a type of the Christ to come. Christ the King. But they requested for a king, so God gave them Saul. It was of the flesh. But the man after the spirit, the man after God's own heart, had a certain behavior believers in Christ now can learn from. He knew that there was something on the inside he could tap into when everything seems lost. To them, it was over. 
because you come, they bent everything. Chances are that they might have concluded that then their, their wives are killed. Is that not so? Their children are killed. Sons and daughters are killed. Nobody knew because the account says that nobody was killed. They were only taken captive. But nobody knew at the time that they were not killed. So the only conclusion they would draw is that if through you, we, we thought we were following a leader. But if through you, we've lost our wives, our daughters and our sons and everything is gone, then we must stone you to death. What a mentality. What an attitude. But David, in the midst of it, all, the Bible says, strengthened himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And I said, I'm glad that we are in the Lord. If somebody is not in the Lord, he cannot have what we're going to discuss. How to encourage yourself, how to strengthen yourself. They don't have it. Because to the one who depends on only external circumstances to be happy and cannot have joy, once those circumstances are gone, once those materials are taken away, the person is gone. Once upon a time, I've told this story before, in the news was about somebody who owned a certain uh, tree plantation in the Brown Huffle region, you know, and it caught fire. And the news went to him that your plantation has caught fire, everything was gone. The moment he heard the news, that same moment, his heart fainted and he died. Are you there? What do you do when everything is gone? Can you still find resources on the inside to encourage yourself that it all is not yet lost? And I want to announce to everybody, people of God, all is not yet lost in this season of miracles, signs, and wonders. God is still yet to do another miracle in our lives. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Why joy? I'll tell you. Uh, Isaiah, let's go to Isaiah. I'll show you some scriptures right now. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3. I said the preface re means get back to, okay? So when you don't find resources to make you happy, you can rejoice. You can get back to joy. Enjoy in the God of your salvation. That's how the psalmist put it. He said, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Meaning, I know I have joy. So I can rejoice. I can go back to that joy. Lay hold on that joy. And use the joy for something. It's in Isaiah 12 verse 3. He says, Therefore, with joy, will you draw water from the wells of salvation? Oh, what a word. Somebody say, I'm into the word. Listen, Isaiah was prophesying. And I'm sure at the time, they didn't have the full revelation of this particular statement. Do you know, Peter talks about it. He says that the prophets, as they were prophesying, they were wondering what they were talking about. They were searching what manner of time all these things will be fulfilled. And one of them is this verse, Isaiah 12, 3. With joy. He said, therefore, with joy. With what? Joy. Ever live in the village. Those of us who went to school in the village, I mean, you know, in town, where there wasn't water flowing through pipes. And you have to go to town to go and fetch water in a well. Especially when there is dry season and the, and, and the taps are not flowing. You have to go to town. And sometimes you can get to town where there are wells, the wells are so dry and so empty, you have to get, 
not just your bucket. You see, you have a bucket, but you have to get something that you can hook onto the bucket so you can now dig, I mean, dip it deep into the well and fetch water. Sometimes the water comes as brown water. <laughs> brown water. I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. There was a time we were fetching water from a pond in St. Peter's and everything was just snakes, okay? Water snakes. I'm not exaggerating. Every water you fed, you would pick snake from the pond because it was full of snakes. Apparently, they did not, I mean, they did not buy it. So, they are water snakes, they don't buy it. But snakes, because there was no water, we had to fetch and snakes. Hallelujah. I'm just using this to give you a picture that joy is that receptacle that we use to draw from the wells of salvation. Meaning that when you are saved, when you are born again, that's why I said that if you are not in the Lord, if you are not in Christ, you can't appreciate this message. But when you are born again, there is something that happens to you. God plants in you wells of salvation. Some say wells of salvation. And do you know something? Everything. Oh my God. Hear this one. Everything you will ever need is in that well. Oh yes. How I wish that we will start looking inside through the word. This, this book, the word of God mirrors what we have on the inside and who we are on the inside. This is one picture. There are wells on the inside. When it looks like there is no more satisfaction and you, you wish you could go out there in the world and get satisfaction through anything. Can we begin to mention some of the things that they believe that if they do will bring satisfaction? No, let me just go and, you know, party. Just go and drink and smoke and dance and dance and enjoy yourself. But I'm telling you, if Christ is not in you, you may please everybody because it looks like, oh, the man is enjoying, but he or she knows that he is empty. She is empty on the inside. And the more you use those things, the emptier you become. Because you don't have wells of salvation on the inside. And even if you have wells of salvation, if you are born again, and you do not know that the receptacle to draw from those wells is joy. With joy. He said, therefore, with joy. He didn't mention any other thing but joy. With joy will you draw water. And this water is not ordinary water. It's water that brings satisfaction. It is like what the songwriter said, peace, perfect peace in this dark world of sin. The blood of Jesus whispers peace within. You have it on the inside. A certain quietness, a certain relaxation in the midst of storms. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of a hopeless situation like everybody has been burned. I mean, to them, supposedly, they have, if they have burned their house, it's possible they might have burned them, including their wives and daughters and sons. That must have been the conclusion of the people that, ah, it's because of you, David, all these things, because we followed you. And then in coming back, see what has happened. We're going to stone you to death. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. No, don't forget, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says what? The joy of the Lord is what? It's our strength. So when Isaiah says, with joy will you draw water, he knows what, what joy can do. If you want to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord, never forget you got joy on the inside. Say, I got joy on the inside. 
Yes, I got joy. Proverbs 18, verse 14. Proverbs 18, 14 says, The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. The King James says, will sustain his infirmity. And the infirmity he has to do with physical weakness, pain, sickness, like the New King James puts it. Then it's about who can bear a broken spirit. The, the King James says, a wounded spirit. A wounded spirit. Do you know a wounded spirit? One who is heartbroken. One who is so discouraged and so distressed like it happened to David. Who can bear it? Who can encourage such a person? It, it will have to take that same individual in the midst of the uncertainty to rejoice, get back to joy and use that joy to draw water from the wells of salvation. Listen, there comes a time when nobody can encourage you better than you yourself. How do you do it? You've got to recount. Like the songwriter says, count your blessings. One great blessing we always skip. And in fact, it's the number one blessing that every believer must remember. It was while we were yet sinners. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you skip that one, you may think that it's your right to enjoy everything in this life. I said, if you skip that, number one. That is one, one way to remember that, like the songwriter said, when I remember what the Lord has done, I will never go back anymore. No wonder Apostle Paul, no wonder he could rejoice. He was the one who wrote in Romans 8 and said that, I, he said, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. The same person wrote and said that the sufferings, he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. What are the resources you can tap from your spirit with joy? It's there. You must know it in the word for yourself and in moments like this, you, you, you tap into joy. Get back into joy. At best, you can put some good music. That is not the time for you to sing songs and play songs that will kill your, your joy the more. There are some songs. I heard a song. Was it yesterday? Very loud in, the, in a certain neighborhood. And I was like, oh. The song, you know, will remind you of all the evil that has happened to you. The song, they sing it, at, you know, it's a funeral dirge. Like, um, are you hearing that this is the one that we look up to that death has taken away so if your hope is a man and your confidence is a man and death has taken that person away you become hopeless alright so one of the ways to create you know, an atmosphere of rejoicing is to ensure that you have good music also around. We are learning how to encourage ourselves, to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And I said that, get back to joy. It's there. It's there. And then, of course, keep yourself in the midst of believers who can also be a source of encouragement. In the case of David, there was none. There was none. So he had to find 
a resource on the inside and not on the outside. And please, if you're going to look for resources on the outside, sometimes you can be discouraged. The bank account can be red, empty. Indebtedness can be knocking at your door. Landlord, landlady is chasing you out, has given you a deadline. After three months, you are checking out of here. I see that it's not enough. That is when everything seems to be going in the negative. But see, you can arrest every situation by finding your route back to joy. Tap into that joy and start rejoicing in the Lord. Always. Not sometimes, always. Say rejoice in the Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. Do you remember that same man in prison? He and Silas at midnight. Bible said they prayed and sang praises. The man knew how to rejoice whilst in prison. You might have found yourself, maybe not in a physical prison, but a spiritual prison, and you don't know what to do. Let's learn from these saints, because the record is there for us. Hallelujah. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but the wounded spirit, who can bear? That's why Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our hearts. Say, guard your heart with all diligence. Because, see, if everything is gone, and then you now allow everything also to enter your heart, that thing that enters your heart can steal your joy. And when your joy is, joy is stolen, oh, you become hopeless. As for that one, nobody can help you. I'm telling you, nobody can help you when your joy is allowed to go. So when everything is gone, guard, keep, build a barricade around your heart so that they don't steal your joy also. Do you know what? When everything is gone and you have joy and you can get back to joy, do you know you can have restoration? And I'm prophesying to this house. In case anybody lost anything or has suffered mishap, setback, disappointment, failure, re retardation, stagnation, whatever you can call it, I hear restoration. Restoration. I said the preface re means go back. God is going to store back what you might have lost or what has been taken away. Hallelujah. All right. Somebody may ask a question. Proverbs 13, 12. Let me show you that question in Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred. The word deferred means postponed. You are hoping for something and it keeps being postponed. It doesn't seem to show forth. It's not coming. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So somebody may ask, this is what the Bible is saying. My desire has not come. And may even quote another scripture. Jesus said, He that too have you asked nothing in my name. Ask that you may receive that your joy may be full. So there's a place called fullness of joy. And it is as a result of answers to prayer. So when my heart desire has not come. And when I, I seem not to have received answers to my prayer. Don't I have the cause to cry? I'm asking. Why don't I have the cause to cry? Because in crying, you will be delaying your own miracle. Remember, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. In other words, like Job. Job said, all the days of my life will I wait until my change comes. Whilst waiting, there must be sustenance. So if you are waiting and then you are now down, brother, 
when the miracle comes, you can't even grab it because there's no more strength to take hold of the miracle. All the days of my life will I wait until my change comes. Whilst waiting for change, we need what? Sustenance. And it is the spirit of a man that will sustain his infirmity. But the wounded spirit who can bear. When your heart is broken, when your spirit is wounded, when you are despondent, when you are discouraged, when you are so distressed that you cannot find resources on the inside to encourage yourself, I'm telling you, even if we lay hands on you, nothing will happen. Because there is no energy. The joy of the Lord, that is our strength. With joy, will you draw water from the wells of salvation? So we go back to joy when everything seems to be gone. Okay, let me answer the question I asked in Proverbs 13, 12. So what about the desire? Somebody said, what about when desire has not come? What about when things don't get, go the way you expected? What about when those who look up to you get discouraged and turn against you like in the days of David? Oh my God. David's case was one of a painful situation. You know, you can imagine. You have been encouraging these people and all of a sudden, they have turned and they are going to stone you to death. Somebody say, mercy. May God have mercy on us. Will you begin to talk to God? I don't know what resources you can find in you. I want us to begin to find resources in us. I quoted one, Romans 5, 8. It says, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That alone should be a basis for you to know that then we don't qualify for anything. Because after all, I didn't even pursue him. He, like the Nigerian man would say, pursued me. God pursued me. He pursued me. He looked for me. When I didn't care, he reached out to me and saved me. He rescued me. No wonder the same Paul wrote in Romans 8, 32. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Please, don't exempt yourself. For us all. It doesn't matter how many sins you must have committed. He delivered Jesus Christ for us all. He asked a question. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. So when everything is gone, please, with joy, you can bring back whatever is lost. Because with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. As you rejoice in the Lord, you, be, you see, joy is very attractive. Joy attracts angels. Joy attracts the heavens, okay? It's like you only put sugar here right now. What will, what will get to the sugar? Ants. Yeah. Likewise, despondency, discouragement, hurt, bitterness, pain. Those things attract demons. They attract demons. After all, that is their tool. Do you remember Jesus said something? He said that the prince of this world cometh and he has nothing in me. That's why Satan could not touch Jesus. Because Satan could not find any nature of his or any tool of his in Jesus. Satan only touches those who are already connected. We get connected through the things that Satan uses. The, the, the pain, the hurt, the unforgiveness, the bitterness. If you are carrying those things in your spirit, you are a candidate for Satan's connection. He can easily connect. In fact, he will even mind you because you're already his. He, is, he has made you a dumping ground. So if you are hurt and so much hurt that all you are carrying is hurt and building hurt, you are attracting demons. 
And those demons, when they come, they won't just come and occupy you. They leave disease. Do you know disease? They make you out of ease. They put disease, a sickness somewhere in the body. They put pain somewhere in the body. Why people get sick? One of the main reasons why people get sick is because we expose our hearts to everything. There is no God. There are some things you purpose in your heart, you are not interested. You don't even want to hear it. Because you want to keep your heart from pollution. Bible says, mind, he said, watch what you hear. And another verse also says, watch how you hear. The two are very important. Watch what you hear and watch how you hear. It's not every conversation you will contribute to. You have heard it, but you turn away quietly because you are guarding your heart. You just know that, yes, it may be a hopeless situation, but if this thing gets to your joy, you are finished. As for your joy, don't let anybody take it. Because once that is gone, you can't, you will get to the well, but you don't have the receptacle. You can even see the water, but there's nothing to draw from the well. With joy, that you draw water from the wells of salvation. I got salvation. That's another reason to thank God and rejoice. Salvation. No wonder, John, uh, is it Apostle Paul? He said, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now, where is the way out if you now neglect your salvation? Then there's no way. But if you have salvation, child of God, there, there are wells of salvation. In case you didn't know, there are wells. And Bible didn't tell us how many wells. It means that everything you need is found in those wells. The fulfillment, the satiation, the inner satiation, the joy, the peace is there with joy. Kindly begin to talk to God and tell your father, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I find joy in my heart to rejoice in you, Lord. It's not even about what you've lost. It's about Jesus. I'm coming back, Lord. I'm coming back. I'm sorry, Lord, for things Never blame anybody for your situation. Never. Don't think of retaliation. Don't think of revenge. Never. Bible says, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So don't say that this one, I'll show you a paper lies. I was showing that, ah, but what, what have we done? We have not done anything. Jesus saved us. That should be enough, child of God. Is everything gone? Have you lost some things or everything? What have you lost? What has been taken away? Don't you know that whilst you are still under grace, he says, and we know that all things work together. Work together with what? With a grace of God on your life for your good. So stay in grace. Don't go out of grace. So long as you are under grace, that thing that was meant against you is working together with that grace for your good. What was meant to drown you, you'll be amazed. You'll become a chariot and you will ride higher. You will ride higher. A child of God, please listen to this one, can never be disadvantaged. Can never. What men call disadvantage? Like jo Joseph. Oh, it looked like a disadvantage because his brothers first put him in a pit. Took him from the pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites. From the Ishmaelites, they also sold him. They were merchants. So they were on the other going, they sold him to Potiphar. He became the chief servant in Potiphar's house. 
everything was under his care apart from Potiphar's wife. Finally, Potiphar's wife tempted him. He didn't yield. He said, how shall I sin against my God? By doing this thing, I will not. And the woman now told the wrong story. You and I know. That is called implication. False accusation. It was not true. But the man didn't defend himself. It looked like, ah, what Jimmy do to Joseph? Can't you talk? The man, you didn't do it, but what is this? But the man knew that everything is working together for his good. What looked like this dream would never happen because he had a dream at the age of 17. For 13 long years, it didn't seem like it was working. Finally, from Potiphar's house, he found himself even in prison. That was even worse. It looked like this one. How shall this dream come to pass? But do you see what God did? The same dream. He made Pharaoh dream also. Hallelujah. God knows what to touch. Shout of God. Joseph had a dream. And God also used the same channel. Said, I will let somebody dream. And the ability to interpret this in this man. They will fetch him. From one interpretation of a dream. From prison he became a prime minister. The very dream his brothers thought they could kill. Listen, nobody can kill your dream. Oh, unless you yourself say that I don't want it any longer. Nobody. Even when you believe that you've messed up so much, Bible says the gifts and the calling of God, they are irrevocable. They are without repentance. That is not to give us license for us to go and mess up. But even when you believe that you've messed up so much, remember Romans 5.8. It was while we were still sinners that he died. And so when Satan wants to point your past to you, you tell him, Satan, this is none of your business. It's between me and my father. Get out of here. Are you there? Get out of here. It's, not, it's got nothing to do with you. My father saved me. And he made me a child of his own. So what's your problem? Let me sort it between me and my father. Get out of here. So that you do not stand in Satan's condemnation. Because that is one of his tools. What you may call conviction. Many people, you know, mistake condemnation for conviction. When the Holy Spirit convicts, he convicts you to repentance and then it's over. We don't re rehearse the matter. But when Satan condemns, oh, it becomes a weight. Do you know weight? I'm asking the question, do you know weight? You are carrying guilt like a weight and then you are hearing it in your ears. You, 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 you of all people. You, you, you. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. That's Satan, the accuser of the brethren, doing his work. Pointing all your mistakes. And you too, instead of looking away from that voice and silencing that voice and finding joy on the inside to rise above the situation, then you also go down with the voice. It's true, I did it. Yes, it's true. I mess up. I'm a mess. 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 Out of that mess, you can become a message. I said, out of that mess, God can give you a message. Rejoice in the Lord always. Please encourage yourself in the Lord. So we stand to our feet.